Listener Production. The Luke and Sassy Scott podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we record this podcast. The Yulikit Woolen Clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to our elders past and present and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Coming up... We're going to have twins that have the same biological egg donor but separate biological fathers. You can put in the height, ethnicity, skin colour, eye colour, if they're fucking Scandinavian. This is talking about, like, baby mama Tinder. What she then had to undergo was a whole lot of fucking injections so they prime her body when it's time to ovulate. This was at a fertility clinic, which was in Texas. When me and my gay husband put our sperm in a jar, we went into the room and guess what? It's got a couch there and straight porn magazine. Are you going to find out who's is whose? I think it's going to be so obvious. Marcus is six foot and he's fucking wide. I'm skinny and short and i got a fucking big mouth on me. We're going to know who's is biologically whose. Have you spoken about the sex outside the podcast yet? No, this, this is, is the first. Oh, they're hearing this it first here. Yeah. I need to know how much this journey has cost you. Uh, a lot of money. $100,000. More. $400,000. More. Me. You are ridiculous. Don't do that either. I'm sick of you. You're a nutcase. I don't care, Luke. Look at you. You infuriate me as a human being. <laughs> Look, I'm sassy. Sassy. Scott. Welcome to episode two of Scott's Baby Journey. It's the fertility process we're going to be talking about today. Obviously, our journey was very different. We couldn't conceive naturally. What? (laughs) And even though the technology, you know, around the world was amazing, the route we chose was in line with, I guess, what we wanted and, you know, in line with what was available to us. You had an opportunity to say the route we chose there. Yeah. Um, Okay, so in Australia, is this where the embryo is made? No. So what we did, we were... So we had a fertility clinic here in Australia. Mm who helped us get our sperm out of Australia. Before I talk about our sperm being sent to America, Mm. part of our journey was finding an egg donor. Because the egg donor and our surrogate are two very separate, different things. Yeah. And you hear of people say, you know, friends or cousins or women they know would donate eggs. And we even had some girlfriends and females in our life say that they would donate their eggs to us. You know, one thing I didn't want was looking at a baby from eggs of a friend who donated them to us going, fucking, does she want to come and take them? They're little shitheads. Or seeing reminders of friends Mm. or whatever. We wanted to create our own um, unique family. So unique is the route we took. And that idea led us to Beverly Hills Egg Donor Database. (laughs) And on this database, it's literally like online dating. You can put in the height, ethnicity, from skin colour, eye colour, if they have a personality, if they're comedians, if they're fucking Scandinavian. It's very bespoke. Yeah, right. And so pretty much we're, this is talking about like baby mama Tinder. Yeah, literally. It's, as I said, it's online dating. Yeah. So we, both Marcus and I had different criteria of what we we're looking in an egg donor. Mm. I um, obviously lived in and I've done a lot of work over there over the years. And I wanted somebody with African heritage. Marcus wanted somebody who went and had like a high education. 
Mm. And I said, he said they had to be smart. I said they had to be funny. Um, we both, one thing we both absolutely agreed on was height. We didn't want somebody that was like five foot tall because my kids would be then two foot tall on their 18th birthday or my one. And um, Marcus says, well, yeah, we just didn't want a very stocky child. <laughs> so we said, let's get someone that's tall. Mm. And from that, we then, once you put in height, the rest of the criteria opened up. And when I say criteria, you get to choose, as I said, eye colour, height, education. You then, once you start matching with people, and by matching, I mean the, all the criteria you put in. And we were so specific that we had four girls that were, um, that were matched to us. And how many do you reckon is in this database? Well, I reckon there'd be probably a thousand, couple of thousand oh, in there. Okay. And the interesting thing was an egg donor can only donate five times in their life. So when she donates eggs, is it how many they take or is it, oh, we got this many out of you? We only ever got that many out of you during one procedure. So she would undertake one procedure. And th so going back to the criteria though, they have to meet a whole lot of health criteria we saw a database of um, like how her grandparents died, like if there was cancer in the family, like it was very in-depth and there was a lot of detail. And we're so lucky. She is an athlete, which is probably going to come back and fucking bite us on the ass. I'm going to have like kids that want to row at 4am or something. But she plays volleyball for America. She's six foot six. Her brothers are all over seven foot. So height criteria, tick. Her mm -hmm. ethnicity, she's a fucking babe. Her ethnicity is Puerto Rican, mm -hmm. Jamaican mm -hmm. is one of her parents. And the other parent is African Chinese. God, and you're just adding one to this, just Australian. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and one incredible thing, another incredible thing was she was a scholar. She had a scholarship to, um, I think it was like, it was Harvard or maybe Stanford uh, University over mm. in the States. She is one of the highest achievers you've ever seen on paper. And then we see the photos of her and she's beautiful and gorgeous. And I said to Marcus, so what if she's not funny? And he said, but she ticks the box of everything. I said, but what if she can't connect? with human beings. And I said, I want to talk to her, which is something that they don't really do with the egg donor world. You connect with your surrogate, you don't have to connect with your egg donor. So I demanded that we got to speak and meet with the egg donor, which is unusual. And sure enough, we got set up um, through with a FaceTime call. What would have happened if she declined that offer and didn't want to meet you? Would have that changed you wanting to pick her? Had she have not wanted to meet us, we had chosen her anyway. Mm. And... We call, we connect, and she's lying in her dentist's chair. And the dentist is sitting behind her and he's like, hey, folks, how you doing? And she was like, hey, guys, how are you? And we're like, I'm like, I'm thrown that she's in the dentist's chair, right? Just while it's fresh in my head, does she get to pick? Does she go through any criteria? Does she go, no, I don't want to give it to a couple like this. I don't want to give it to them. Yeah, there is was... there anything processed in that aspect for her? Yeah, definitely. So she has somewhat of a choice in that. Um, yeah. But she enters the database for us to be able to take. Um, her, her whole The whole model of egg donor database is helping people who can't have, have children naturally, mm -hmm. um, helping them conceive. So they do it for the greater good, not for them to pick and choose. Yeah, right. All right, let's go back. She's in the dentist chair. She's in the dentist chair and she just, 
beamed with all of this life. And she had the biggest fucking teeth in the world, which I love Americans for. Um, and her complexion and her energy was brilliant, right? And we matched and we connected. And she's like, guys, like, if you ever want to know anything, she's like, it's totally cool. I, I get why you want to have a chat. You know, we asked her, you know, why is she donating her eggs? And she mm. said, listen, I never want my own children. She said, but everywhere I go, she goes, I play volleyball for America. I travel the world. She said, and everywhere I go, people stop me and tell me I'm perfect, right? And she said, and they always tell me, you know, are you ever going to have children and a family? And she's like, I don't want to. And these people, random, say to me, a person like you needs to procreate. You are like the perfect person. She's like, so that's why I'm doing it, to help other people. God, it seems like the female ego of youth is going to be interesting. So I think I, you'll be able to pick which one. Anyway, <laughs> we, so then we hang up and I said to Marcus, is that weird that she was just in the dentist chair and she took the interview? Like, do you find that odd? And Marcus goes, honey, that is you to a T. That's something you would do and that you value. She don't fuck around with people's time and people don't fuck around with her time. Like, she's like, I'm in the dentist chair. I'm going to keep moving on in my life, but I'm happy to keep mm. things going. And anyway, we connected well and we selected her. And what she then had to undergo was this procedure. Well, a whole lot of fucking injections. So they um, prime her body to when it's time to ovulate and for them to take the eggs, you know, that she's in her best condition. Mm. Right? I think I've seen it a lot on social media recently, just other people who are freezing their eggs go through that process and I've seen that online a lot. It's kind of like the stabbing themselves with like the insulin sort of. Well, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of um, hormones and stuff to start getting the body working at its best, right? Yeah. And there's like vitamins and a whole lot of shit that they have to go through. So when she goes in for her procedure, you know, um, at, this was at the a fertility clinic, which was in Texas. So this is the same place at the Beverly Hills? So that she's from Beverly Hills data, um, donor. Oh, but she was living in Texas? No, so she our had to fertility fly clinic is in Texas. So our specialist oh. who was going to create the embryos, so take the eggs, yep. receive our sperm, create embryos, and then transfer them into our surrogate when we chose our surrogate. Yeah, right. That all was happening at the fertility specialist. So it's a pretty big process for the donor too then. Huge. Mm. Uh, emotional, physical. But she was like not emotionally attached to it. She's like, guys, I'm here to do a job. I'm here like, I don't want my own kids. That's why I'm giving you my eggs, right? She was super cool. She was a rock star in it. And the day she had her procedure, and now she is a superhuman, and I'm sure there's a lot of women and men and people listening to this who have gone through this journey. Now, the average amount of eggs that is removed during a procedure like that globally is about six to seven eggs. Mm. We received 41 eggs. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Oh, God, you're not having 41 kids, though, Wow. So, <laughs> we received 41 eggs. But before all of that, we were working with an IVF clinic here in Australia, too. So, we had to send our sperm through this IVF clinic over to the United States. Should have just sent them one of your socks. This IVF clinic, I don't want to do jokes with <laughs> This IVF clinic helped us get through red tape. Red taping. Well, so here in Australia, the way we look at surrogacy is it's not a contract. And it's done out of, let's call it, goodwill of, of people helping people. So like no financial sort of... No financial benefit. gain at all. Yeah. Um, and so we had to fudge our papers that the person, our surrogate, and the purpose of what they were going to be used for, our sperm, was voluntarily done. It was not a contract. It was not an agreement we were doing with somebody in America where they were going to financially benefit from it. 
Mm. We, so this fertility clinic helped us kind of go through the back door and move, well, move some of the red tape, which is so unfairly put here and wrapped around Australians. So it's deep lockdown um, here in Melbourne and Marcus and I have to send our sperm. Now, America looks at any fluid, anything coming into the States as biohazard. Mm. So it all has to be tested and checked. Fair. So we have to send our blood ahead of our sperm. So mm. the first time our blood goes, Marcus had a virus, a common virus in his blood, which they said, no, you cannot send his sperm in because it's a hazard. And then so once that viral count, viral load was below whatever it had to be for America, we then had to go blow in a jar again, do new blood, send that to America. And the crazy thing is blood only lasts for five or seven days. So you're in COVID. What happens the second time around? It gets like shipping so slow. The labs in America receive our bloods at like day eight, day nine, and they say we can't test the bloods so that we're not accepting their sperm again. You're right. You said you had to blow in a jar. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Oh, uh, let's talk about let's talk about that. <laughs> so when me and my gay husband had to put our sperm in a jar. Where was your straight husband? <laughs> <laughs> when we had to do that, they gave us the little jar. They gave us... Little boy has a little jar. No lube. Oh. <laughs> no lube because you can't contaminate the sperm in the jar. Like I don't think that, that's that unnormal anyway. Well, anyway, it was new yeah. for me. <laughs> and we went into the room and guess what? It's got a couch there, a TV up there, and straight porn magazine and straight porn on the, the TV. So you're never going to. Anyway, I had to. Luckily, I had my phone with me and I just looked at some of my own spank bank. And it was really funny. I was like, when people are conceiving, are they thinking of something? Like, should I be thinking of like lovely fucking things and my husband like, because these sperms are going to make my children? Anyway, didn't matter. So second time, the sperm and bloods got rejected. Third time, lucky, which was like probably a month later, we were... We were fortunate at getting um, the bloods approved. Then we send the sperm in. We've got 41 eggs. Our instruction straight away is to fertilize 21 of them with my sperm and fertilize the other 20 with Marcus's sperm. Hold on, is that your instruction? That's our instruction. They then can look at day five, an embryo. They know the gender. They can then do a genetic test on these embryos to know if they're going to have any genetic abnormalities, um, if that embryo is going to lead to like a miscarriage. So we then get our 41 fertilized eggs taken to day five. And in that, we then get a report, which is like the grade of them. So there was a number of them that they said to destroy that had like, there was like three each that like they said um, had genetic issues or whatever, or could lead to genetic um, mm. issues. So they advised us to destroy them. Then there are a couple of other grade Bs, but then lots of grade A's. And so that was at day three. Then it gets to day five. Day five, we ended up, I think, with between the both of us. And this says a lot of how lucky we were. We had 41 eggs at the start. We've ended up with 19 grade A embryos, mm. which just tells you, you do the math, right? So 19 out of 41, just under 50%. Women that go and the average is six or seven eggs. Imagine growing those eggs to fruition to day five, how many, take 50%, you've got three possible viable embryos. Difficult process. 
Anyway, so we've got like nine team between Marcus and I. Out of my nine, I have eight boys and one girl. Mm. And Marcus had like 50-50. Half of his were male, half of his were female. And then they, they, they freeze them and then it's time for us to start looking for a surrogate. How did you decide to have twins then? Is that at the process there where you go, all right, let's select two? Believe it or not, we found out that if we had during the surrogacy process, which we'll talk about next step, but it was a real big cost, a cost thing. So it was like if we transferred one embryo, it was going to cost us, let's call it $100,000. If we transferred two, it was going to cost us like $130,000. So it A, made it some financial sense for us to do it, and B, I didn't want to take it away from Marcus what his child would look like versus mine. I'd never wanted to get in that decision of saying, no, they're going to be mine or no, they're going to be yours. Did you ever speak about that before, if it was ever come up that you could only implant one? Uh, so our plan was always, and it's half one of the reasons why we chose to work with our fertility clinic in Texas, they specialise in double embryo transfer mm. with a success rate of something fucking wild, like between 85 and 93% that a double embryo transfer leads to a twin birth. So they have really high, incredible success rates. And at which stage then did you decide boys or girls? So we've chosen to put in two male embryos. Mm. So we're going to have, um, we're having twin, twin boys. And there were a couple of reasons. One was we don't know vaginas. <laughs> we don't know girls. Have you spoken about the sex outside the podcast yet? No, this, this is, is first. Oh, they're hearing this it first here. Yeah. Yeah. Have you even told people, family? No. No one. No one. So only you and Marcus know this. Yeah. And now everyone who listens to the podcast. Yes. No one knows uh, what gender our twins, I was going to say what our twin boys are going to (laughs) be. Well, there you go. Twin boys. Yeah. And we, we knew we didn't know girls. We knew we knew boys. And this is a fucking shout out to a lot of women out there who have experienced shit fucking men. And this is also a note to shit men as well. Yeah, Marcus and I have been so disappointed by so many men in our life. Now, that's not meaning like our fathers or family. That is colleagues. That is really close girlfriends, partners, husbands who have really fucking let down, I think, men as a whole. So Marcus and I really want to bring some good men into this world. So was it always agreed that there would be one biological yours, one biologically Marcus's? Yeah, we're going to have twins that have the same biological egg donor, but separate biological fathers. So they are going to be grown together in the womb, different biological dads, same biological egg donor, growing together. Fraternal twins. Yeah, right. So they're kind of half-brother but twins. Yeah, are you going to find out whose is whose? Well, one, I think it'll be Captain fucking obvious whose is going to be biologically mine and who's going to be biologically Marcus's. But let's say the egg donor for some reason has way stronger genes, which she probably, she's a superhuman, so mm. they could just fucking take after her and not neither me or Marcus. But I'm just going to be very grateful for what we get at the end of the fucking rainbow. I just don't see any purpose in us 
then undergoing, um, which we're allowed to, um, DNA testing to find out whose is biologically whose. I'm not interested in doing that. And it would be the same, you know, Marcus and I looked at adoption early days. You know, we are looking to build a family based on, you know, on love, not on whose is whose. Uh, For whatever reason, you find out they've had to tell you for whatever reason and they've said this one's Marcus's, this one's Scott's. Yeah. Do you think you would have a different connection? Once knowing that, not at all. Who's is who's? I can't reinforce like enough, and I'm sure one everyone that's gone through the journey of becoming a parent, um, you know, one thing that we'd all agree on is that you know you just want a happy child at the end of it, and that's all I care about. I don't care for which one's biologically mine, which one's biologically Marcus's, how they end up, what they fucking look like. You know, I'm now where we are in this journey. I'm just so excited to see you know, these two little, let's call it fucking bundles of joy. One I'm sure is going to have a, a mouth on it like a sailor. Sure. Like this is what I, mm-hmm. I know. I think it's going to be so obvious. Marcus is six foot and he's fucking wide, right? And broad. I'm skinny and short and I got a fucking big mouth on me. We're going to know who's this biologically whose. I just think by nature and nurture, both of them. Have you thought about how you would answer people's questions? There's obviously got to be a lot of curiosity around this throughout their lives, right? Yep. Have you already practiced how you would answer that sort of question? People going, oh, so which one's yours? Which one's Marcus's? Well, I'll just say probably, you know, one night I fucked Marcus and then he fucked me and weirdly we both became pregnant and had two two sons. What about the babies come, you have the age of about 11 and then they decide that they want to know whose is whose? Go and fucking figure it out yourself. And if you haven't fucking got a couple hundred thousand dollars in your back pocket, don't even fucking think about it. That's what, what I'd say. What, to the kids? Yeah. Scott, what about if um, they want to meet their egg donor or surrogate or both? How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't have a problem with it. They do. <laughs> the egg donor said she, you know, they, part of the criteria is they want pretty much nothing really to do with the children. They're donating, you know, their eggs purely to help us build a family, not for them to gain a family. Um, And that's in the contract, that there is no relationship between them, um, nor will there ever be one. Our egg donor was such a special human that she said, listen, if your kids one day are scratching their fucking heads going, but I don't know why I grow hair, you know, at the bottom of my spine. (laughs) And, you know, it's not from me or Marcus. She's like, tell them to call me and I'll say, listen, that was from your your great, great grandfather, Joseph from, from Jamaica. Like, she was super cool like that. But it's very clear that the the agreement is that they do not want anything to do with these children. Mm. So other than her wanting to give up her eggs to help you out, financially, is it worth it for her too? Yeah, she um she received tens of thousands of dollars for that. And, you know, I think... I can't put a dollar figure on that now. Like when you start Mm. this off, it's all just like numbers and you're like, what the fuck? But, you know, I look back now and I remember thinking that was maybe expensive, but I think, you know, what she's gone through and what she's given us, you know, I can't put a dollar figure on, you know. But again, Marcus and I are fortunate with our careers that, you know, we were able to pay somebody like her, you know, the money that we did to get the outcome that we did. Scott, I need to know and everyone else needs to know as well. Need to know or want to know? I think I need to know. Okay. Yeah, it's not a want anymore. I need to know how much this journey has cost you and how much it will cost you. Uh, a lot of money. $100,000. More. $200,000. More. $400,000. More. $1 million. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, under a mil- it's cost us five hundred dollars to $550,000. Wow. Yeah. 
That's more than a house. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, so that's why we're wondering now, maybe we don't give the kids names and we just call them ROIs. Range of interest. No, return on interest. Oh, return on investment, sorry. (laughs) That pretty much summarises our fertility process. Mm. And what you really need to understand is that just scratches the surface for us. Our journey then of finding a surrogate and then getting pregnant is just a whole other world. And we'll talk about that on the next episode because there is definitely not enough fucking time and or energy to put that in this one. So thank you for listening to this. Um, Luke, thanks for being a good host and getting me to be very specific on how we chose an egg donor. That's what I do best. (laughs) Tune in tomorrow, next episode. Find out all about the surrogacy. Coming up next time... When it comes to a surrogate, a surrogate chooses us, the intended parents. We don't choose them. This person's going to put 12 months of their life on hold for you to be able to have a family. It's Amber, our surrogate. Hello, thank you for having me on here with you. The biggest question I get is, well, won't you be too attached? How are you not too attached to do this? And I'm like, they're not mine. This will be my third round. Oh, third round for surrogacy or? Third round for surrogacy, mm-hmm. Did you have an understanding of who Scott and I was? Had that ever come across any of your socials? When we first met, I was looking and I'm like, who is this? And I'm like, I've seen you on my For You page. Your brother pisses you off all the time. <laughs> With the children that you've given birth to, do you see updates? Do you know them? The first surrogacy, yes, about once a year. The second surrogacy, uh, the first few months I did, but it's kind of tapered off, which is fine. I can't imagine somebody, you know, wanting children or not getting that feeling that we get when we see our children. Just to know that there are people out there that are struggling and struggling to have kids. I just, I can't imagine it. I think it's just hit me for the first time, Amber. I'm so grateful and thankful for everything you're doing for us. It means the world.